0: Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host of Mission Go. This is New Year's Eve. I think a good text for found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, which says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I trust that throughout this new year, that God will bless you and use you in a mighty way, and that you will see his great blessing. I trust that you will be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in God's work, because that's the best thing to do. You know, we're here on earth to do his will, and we're trusting him to watch over us and protect us and help us. And we know that our labor is never in vain in the Lord. We know that we'll be rewarded one day for our faithfulness and our trust in him as we live each day in obedience to his word and obedience to his will. May the Lord bless you throughout this new year. It's a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio, Karen Lubbers from Uganda. She's one of the newer Global Outreach Missionaries and we're so thankful to have her in our studio today.
1: So I'm there helping out with Book of Hope or One Hope. It's a curriculum that comes, it's it's international, but there's a head office in Kampala and they produce curriculum for teachers and students. It's free, it's colorful, and it tells the big story. God's story, that the whole Bible really points to Jesus from creation to the very end. And so I've been training teachers at first in Soroti town in northern, uh, northern Uganda, but also now reaching out to more and more villages, which is really exciting, and building up a team of Ugandan peers that I teach with and equipping them to also teach. Evangelism explosion trainings, preaching in churches, loving on my neighbor kids, and also, twice a week, a band meets in my house. My sitting room has uh, a digital piano, two guitars, a bass guitar, and a drum kit. So it's, it's quite musical. And the, the band has about 15 people uh, from five different denominations. And we, we bless the city with music, playing at weddings, at funerals, in boarding schools, in church services, wherever the Lord opens the door. And what's really neat about the band is they have a desire to get musical equipment, and they probably know they could easily say, Karen, can you go to the West and raise five grand for speakers and monitors? But they said, we want to do it ourselves. So we started a piggery project, and it's it's in its fourth year. We built a barn from scratch. We were making bricks, hauling sand from who knows where, some pit, and... We started with five pigs. The band members worked together to buy a pig. We now have 17 pigs, and hopefully in the next year or two, we'll make some money. But right now, <laughs> it's just a fun project. But yeah, so there's, there's a lot going on for me. But it's, I love being there. I love the people. So it's home.
0: Could you tell us about some, uh, some of the special people that, are, that uh, you minister with or uh, have unique testimonies?
1: There's one girl. Teresa, we call her Teddy. Teddy is one of my best friends, and I forgot to mention I also lead a discipleship group on Sunday afternoons, and she is in that discipleship group. She is 25, I think, and has now become the program director for a child sponsorship site, something like Compassion. And yet she calls me like every other day, or I call her, how was work, how can I pray for you? She sends me Bible verses, I send her Bible verses, she calls me senior, I call her junior for senior and junior discipler, because we both disciple each other, and if I have a bad day or I don't understand something culturally, I call her, and if she needs something, she calls me, and it's just a real beautiful mutual relationship where we're growing together. And recently I taught her how to swim, so we're learning, you know, (laughs) life lessons too, it's fun.
0: Is there anything you can't do? Uh, <laughs> fly a plane,
1: fly a plane.
2: <laughs> well you got me there <laughs> you
0: got me there well listen Lord bless you you're such a bubbly person and you have a lot of energy we're so thankful for the way the Lord's using you and uh, how God is directing you and uh, we're very proud of you thank you so much Thank for you. being a part of our mission and for sharing tonight thank you you're welcome Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we cannot be on the air without the support of our listeners. We ask that you would continue to pray for us and uh, pray that God will continue to send in donations so that we can continue to keep this ministry on the air. Canada's National Bible Hour has been on the air over 90 years. It's the oldest Christian broadcast in North America, and we believe that God wants to continue to continue to help us to stay on the air. Thank you so much for your donations and your prayers. This month, we're offering a wonderful uh, booklet entitled A Classic Christmas Caroling Songbook. It's got 30 sing-along favorites. It's a wonderful book. You can get a free copy of it, sending in uh, to our office. Hymn sings around in your home during the Christmas season, or you can use it to go out and carol in the neighborhood. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful uh, booklet. that has the words and the music with it. It's just a wonderful thing that you can use during the Christmas season. Highly recommend it. Bet you'll love it if you get it. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R, 787, or United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231.
3: Sought to take his life in the same wonderful, wonderful way. In the same wonderful way, God can still answer prayer and show his mighty power in the same. Wonderful He'll answer prayer and show his mighty power In the same wonderful way Paul and Silas in the jail at Philippi They would not defeated be But at midnight prayed and sang to God on high Soon an earthquake set them free In the same wonderful way in the same wonderful way God can still answer prayer and show his mighty power in the same wonderful way.
0: Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson. Printed copies are available upon request.
4: How are you today, my friend? Someone has written, I'm fine, I'm fine. There's nothing whatever the matter with me. I'm just as healthy as I can be. I have arthritis in both of my knees, and when I talk, I talk with a wheeze. My pulse is weak, my blood is thin, but I'm awfully well for the shape I'm in. My teeth eventually will have to come out, and I can't hear a word unless you shout. I'm overweight and I can't get thin, but I'm awfully well for the shape I'm in. Arch supports I have for my feet or I wouldn't be able to walk down the street. Sleep is denied me every night and every morning I'm really a sight. My memory is bad and my head's a spin. And I practically live on aspirin, but I'm awfully well for the shape I'm in. The moral is, as this tale unfolds, that for you and me who are growing old, it's better to say I'm fine with a grin than to let people know the real shape that you're in. Now, really, this morning, how are you? Are you rejoicing? Are you filled with joy? A.W. Tozer once said, Every Christian owes it to the world to be supernaturally joyful. That tells you that joy is a supernatural thing. You see, happiness depends on happenings. But joy comes deep from within, no matter what the circumstances may be. I want to begin with you today a study of the book of Philippians, and when it's my turn to speak on this broadcast over the next number of weeks, I want to study this beautiful book with you, and the theme of it is joy and rejoicing. Now that in itself is exciting, but when you realize that Paul wrote this from prison in Rome where he was chained in a cell, well then you realize that joy and rejoicing has to be something supernatural from God. Joy is used five times in the book. The word rejoicing, 16 times. And of course, Paul refers again and again to the Lord Jesus Christ, who said, these things have I said to you, these things have I shared with you, that my joy might be in you, and that your, your joy, therefore, might be full. Fullness of joy. You see, the book of Philippians is about the Christian life. Someone has said chapter 1 is the power of the Christian life, Christ. Chapter 2 is the pattern of the Christian life, Christ. Chapter 3 is the purpose for the Christian life, Christ. Chapter 4 is the provision of the Christian life, Christ. And then someone has said, if you take the term rejoicing and outline the book of Philippians, chapter 1 is the secret of rejoicing. Chapter 2 is the source of rejoicing. Chapter 3 is the satisfaction of rejoicing. Chapter 4 is the strength of rejoicing. And it's all centered in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul as he begins this letter. Paul and Timothy, the servants of, the, of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Paul says he and Timothy are servants. The word there is the Greek word doulas which means bond slave. Christ had mastered them. And as we look at this first chapter under the mastery of Christ we will see that Paul's concerned about the Master's people, and then he's committed to the Master's proclamation, and then he's contented with the Master's plan. And in these studies, we're going to look at this wonderful first chapter, and then go on through all of the four chapters of the book of Philippians. Notice that Paul also writes to those who are the saints in Christ Jesus. The word saints is the Greek word hegios, which refers to holy, holy or sanctified, which means set apart for God's holy use. You see, when you come to know Christ, you are His forever and He sets you apart for His holy use and your life becomes different. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, therefore if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. So now look at verse 1 again and listen to the term. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, at Philippi if you're in Christ Jesus and at Philippi you're saved but if you're only at Christ Jesus and you haven't come in yet and you're in whatever city you're in Philippi or wherever else if you're only at Christ Jesus and in Philippi you're lost but if you're in Christ Jesus and at Philippi you're saved i trust you're in Christ today now i want you to notice from verses 3 to 11 which is far which is as far as we'll get today that paul says three things to these people that he writes to in Philippi. He first of all says, I have you on my mind, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. He says, I have you in my heart, verses 7 and 8. And then he says, I have you in my prayers, verses 9, 10, 11. That's a pretty good plan to follow for any Christian in their relationship to other believers. Notice Paul says, I have you on my mind. Let me read you these verses. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying I have you on my mind I think about you and every time I remember you I'm thankful, I'm joyful, I'm encouraged, I'm confident That's a wonderful thing. And remember, Paul had some bad memories from Philippi. That's where he was arrested. That's where he was beaten. That's where he was put into prison. But later, that Philippian jailer that even had beat him came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior and all of his family, and they were baptized and began to witness for the Lord. You read this in Acts chapter 16. But when Paul looks back, he doesn't think about all the bad things. So many people dwell on the bad things. There are so many good things to think about and dwell upon. Paul says, I remember you with thanks, verse 3. Every time I think of you, I thank God. Can people say that of you? I thank God for you. And then he says in verse 4, when I remember and make request, I do it with joy. He says, "I, I have you on my mind, not only with thanks, but with joy. Can people say that about you, that you bring joy when they think of you? And then he says in verse 5, I remember with great encouragement your fellowship. That's the word koinonia. That was a a very uh, well known phrase in the first century relating to Christians getting together and being together and loving together. But Paul elevates it even further. He says, I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel. In the gospel from the first day till now. You see, Paul was remembering how they had preached the gospel to them and how they had come to believe the gospel and then they in turn had joined with Paul and Timothy and his evangelistic team in also preaching the gospel and together they fellowshipped sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you involved in your local church? Do you serve with your pastor? Do you serve with your missionaries, as it were? Do you serve in your community, sharing the gospel and fellowshipping with those of like precious faith and presenting the gospel? We need to do that, desperately need to do it in our day. And then Paul says, I remember you also with confidence, verse 6. He says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is if God started it, he'll finish it. Whatever God begins, he will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. You see, Christ's finished work on Calvary is all that we need. His precious shed blood, his sacrifice for our sins, his death on our behalf in our place and then his glorious resurrection, his intercession and his soon coming, it's all completed and he who begins a good work in us will continue that work performing it and completing it to the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, yes, I have you on my mind. I pray that you today have many Christians on your mind, when you get letters from your missionaries, when you hear uh, and see and fellowship with your pastor or pastors, when you're with other Christian people, when you even hear on the news about how how other Christians are suffering or in need in other parts of the world, I trust you let that penetrate your mind and you don't forget. We forget so easy. Let us remember with thanks, with joy, with encouragement and with confidence. then Paul says, I have you in my heart. He uses the very words in verse 7. Listen as I read, even as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds or my chains here in prison and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. And then verse 8, he says, God's my witness. How greatly I long after you all in the tender mercies of Jesus Christ. Yes, he says, I have you in my heart. What does he mean by that? He simply means I love you. Remember what Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Oh, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given unto us. Paul could remember these people in Philippi and say, I have you in my heart because I love you and I long for you. Verse eight, I long for for you in the deep love and tender mercies of Jesus Christ. You see, it was not Paul's love through Christ for them, it was Christ's love through Paul to them. If there is anyone in your life today, especially some believer in your, in your home, in your family, in your church, in your community that you don't love, ask God to give you His love. And that love, if you're truly saved, has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. And he will give you his love. And that's the thing that characterizes the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, they love Jesus. And oh, they love each other with the love of Jesus. That's why it's so wonderful when Christians get together. And Paul was remembering that because now he's in prison. He can't be with them any longer. And he's saying, I have you in my mind, I have you in my heart. But then he says in verses 9, 10, and 11, I have you in my prayers. Ah, he didn't forget them. He says, I have you in my prayers. From my mind to my heart, I just utter forth in prayer. Constantly, in every prayer of mine, he says. And constantly, I remember you. I'm thinking of the Old Testament high priest who wore an ephod over his chest or heart. On it were twelve stones with the names of the twelve tribes of Israel engraved on them, a jewel for each tribe. He carried them on his heart with love to God's throne. That's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, as I have you on my mind and in my heart, I have you in my prayers. Now, what did he pray for? Oh, this is important. Good for us to study the prayers of the apostle Paul and others in the scripture. First of all, he prayed for their love to be sound. He says, in this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, in knowledge and in all judgment. What he's saying there is advancing knowledge. That's a Greek word, epignosis, which means advanced knowledge, growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord, going deeper and deeper. You see, love without the knowledge and the depth of Scripture just becomes wishy-washy. But love must have as it were, discernment. So Paul is praying as he prays for these Philippian believers that they might have not only abounding love, but discerning love, to discern between good and evil, evil, Hebrews five fourteen, between truth and error, 1 John 4, 6, between that which is good, better, and best, here in Philippians one ten, In other words, that they might discern what is the highest, that which really matters. He's praying for their love, to be sound as it is discerning love and that that love might abound. And then he prays for their life to be sincere. Verse 10, I pray that you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. The word sincere is very interesting. In the Greek, it's two words, sun, S-U-N, and judged, sun, judged. Latin, The two words mean senesera without wax. There's an illustration here. If you lived in Paul's day and went down to the market, you would find people selling clay pots. That's what everybody used. You had to be careful what you bought because some of them had cracks in them, but they would cover them up. If they were a dishonest merchant, they would fill those cracks with wax, paint over them, and they looked well. But if you used those pots, they would leak because they had cracks. So what you would do is take the clay pot and hold it up to the sunlight and the sunlight would reveal the cracks even though you couldn't tell it from the outside. Paul is saying, I want you Christians to be sincere. I don't want you to have cracks. I don't want you to appear to be something you're not. I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I want you to be sincere and without offense. I don't want you to be a stumbling block till the day of Christ. Ah, that's so important today. And then last of all, Paul says in verse 11, I pray not only that your love may be sound and your life be sincere, but I want your labor to be successful. He says, being filled with the fruits, plural, of righteousness, right living, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God, the fruits. Now, what is the fruit of the Spirit? love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And if those fruits are in our lives of character, then our labor will always produce eternal fruit to the glory of God. Not decayed, rotten fruit that people don't want, and you wouldn't buy it at the marketplace, but fresh, beautiful, and appetizing fruit that will make a world in which we live want, to have what we have. Well, there you have it for today. We'll continue our studies next time in Philippians chapter 1, but I want you to see that Paul had these people in his heart, uh, on his mind, and in his prayers, and I pray that today you will know Christ, that you'll be in Christ, and know His joy, and that you too will become, like Paul, someone who cares about the Master's people because you love the master. May God bless you, my friend.
0: I trust the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you during this Christmas season. We're so thankful for the privilege of sharing the gospel. And one of the great opportunities we have during the Christmas season is to have people reflect on on God's plan of salvation. And so we want to share That plan with you just says that all of us have sinned and all of us have come short of the glory of God. And none of us are going to get into God's presence because he's a holy God. And he can't be around sin and he can't be around sinners. And the problem is each and every one of us is a sinner. We've always done bad things and things that we're ashamed of. And so therefore, uh, we are not able to get into his presence. But God loved us so much for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so God made a way. And what he did is he sent the best gift that he had. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ came during the Christmas season as a babe in a manger. And he grew up and lived a sinless life. But the goal all the time was so that he could go the cross, and on the cross he bore all our sins, the sins, the wrath that God has towards our sins, the anger that he has towards our sins, our misdeeds, all the things that we thought that were wrong were sinful, all the bad deeds that we did with our bodies, all these things God bore in his own body as Jesus hung on the tree. He took our place, he was our substitute, he was our sacrifice for us. And he died and rose again on the third day. And he's alive today. John 1, 12 says, But as many as receive him, ask Jesus to come into their life. Unto them he gave he the right to become the children of God. And as you do that, you become a new person. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And you get into the Bible, you start reading the Bible, and you start growing in your faith, and uh, God continues to change you throughout your life. And so you have that great opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Don't forget to order your copy of the classic Christmas Caroling Songbook. What a wonderful book. You need to write in and get that. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 787. Or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can hear past past messages of Cas National Bible Hour on the Mission Go website, which is www.missiongo.org. And remember to pray for our financial needs uh, this month.